following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive! Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts... From Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad. And introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. It is Minute 62 of Flash Gordon Minute. Eric, how are you tonight? Well, Brad, my evil and conniving ways have finally paid off. If I can just cool my heels for one short year, I will be betrothed to the lovely Princess Aura. All of my dreams will come true, and I'm sure I won't have a problem surviving that one year. I mean, what could possibly happen? A revolution? Dangerous spikes? Ah, come on. Aura will be mine. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's definitely he's definitely playing the long game. He's uh, and and, and uh, you know, well, we're just gonna talk about it. Phrygia doesn't seem like a great place to spend a year. And I don't know what, uh, I don't think she's going to come back in mint condition from that. No? no. Well, that's the spirit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> back with us today. It's been a great week. Uh, Curtis Blaze from the upcoming Clue Minute. Curtis, how are you? I am just dandy, and I'm so honored to be on the show with uh, the pedigree of guests that you've had before me. We've, uh, we've been real lucky. We've had fantastic guests. Uh, it, it's, and from sort of all walks, um, just some, um, and it's been great because we've had a great mix of people who are lifelong fans uh, of Flash Gordon, and uh, you know, love the movie, love the cartoons, love the comic strip, and uh, really know their stuff. And they've they've been waiting their entire lives to have a, a venue like this. And then we have people who the first time watching Flash Gordon was the week before we in, invited them to join the show. Did you have any guys that uh, were watching just the minute without having? watched any of the other parts of the movie i don't think so that would be an interesting that would be insane that would be absolutely (laughs) insane (laughs) as far as i know we haven't done that with this we we haven't done that that hasn't happened with flash Gordon minute that did happen with the old show really uh minute of darkness yeah it was pretty interesting it was one of our last guests um was the uh the excellent kj valensic and uh he, he uh, he, and I know he's actually he's a he's a contributor and a fan of Cosmic Geppetto podcast, and he's and he's a fan of the whole Geppetto network. And he was listening to the show, and he was like, "I want to listen to the show minute by minute, and then at the end, then watch the movie." Um, but he he was one of our last guests. But what was crazy is he finally watched. A, I think he ended up watching the movie. Uh, he watched his minutes, and he said, "But he was really confused because it was one of the last minutes." He had, um, I, actually, I remember, right before, because he was going to be on, he did watch it right ahead of time, but he had a different version of it. And people who are familiar with Army of Darkness, they released, like, there was originally a much darker ending to the movie. So he didn't even know what the hell we were talking about because he watched the uh, original ending and not the one that was actually in the theater. So he watched Ash, uh, the people who are familiar, the, the original ending had Ash sort of doing a Rip Van Winkle waking up 100 years into the future, this post-apocalyptic future, as opposed to the famous uh, grocery store gun shootout. And because it was the first time watching the movie, and he watched it, like, right before, it was pretty funny. So he had never seen 
he wasn't even didn't even realize he, he was he was asking what the hell I was doing with these minutes that I sent him. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow, it is crazy. So a quick follow up from yesterday, Curtis. You did find the name of the uh, the person who created your uh, theme music. He is a wonderful composer and musician named Scott Tofty, who is one of the hosts of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Minutes. And I might <laughs> I don't know if that T is silent or not. It looks like Scott Tofty. Yeah, uh, and I we always include this in the notes for episodes, but I don't think we've um, done it, actually said it yet. Uh, our theme music is provided by uh, Purple Planets, and uh, you can check out their website, www.purple-planet.com. Uh, Jar found the music and uh, put together our intro. Uh, the pre-intro, uh, with the, the music that is used to sort of give our growler immediate identification, uh, was provided by Sean Reynolds. Um, and Sean does a lot of music for uh, the Cosmic Geppetto podcast. So, uh, we, gosh, we're 62 minutes in, and I don't think we've really done enough to call out. There are some amazing people who have, uh, aside from the guests, and uh, Eric and I, uh, and, of course, our producer, Jarf, there's been a lot of people who have uh, helped provide some great content uh, to make this podcast what it is. And uh, I want to give them a quick shout-out, as well as uh, Myrn Kennedy and uh, Jessa Lowe, who are the voices of our uh, 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 the, the that remind you that we are a Growler Media production. We also got to thank the Growler Media guys because uh, this show would not be here if we weren't part of that network. That was our big thank you uh, at minute 62. But now let's get into another zany minute. Uh, Eric, what happens in minute 62 of Flash Gordon? Well, at the very beginning, uh, we've got uh, Fico, uh, you know, trying to convince Flash to, to help him with the jailbreak. And all I can think of is like, once again, you know, Naive Flash, just so trusting, you know? He is, uh, and he's a big believer that there's always hope, and he's just trying to, you know, get everyone on board, and it, it's corny, and it's a little naive, but, um, and, and Flash, I think you could say he's a bit of a Pollyanna, but again, it goes to the charisma and likability of Sam Jones, because, man, he sells it. And I was like, I, be- I believe him. I think I could last a, a little while longer if I was in that, if I was in that, Terrible, terrible swamp with Flash cheering me on. It's like, ah, I don't want to let him down. I'm just disturbed by the whole Fico thing. Just doing a reenactment here. Why, if he knew he was going to get dumped headfirst into the bog of eternal stench on Endor, would he keep his good clothes on? <laughs> it's not like he was really seized and actually put in there. He had, he had, you know, he could have said, hey, give me five seconds to change into my grubs. Well, and also, you know... You go and get dressed in something that looks like you took a beating, right? Because he doesn't have a black eye. There's no like line of blood dribbling from his mouth. He just looks like a happy-go-lucky guy that got dumped in here. Flash probably should have questioned stuff. I don't think Flash questions anything too much. No, no, he is a uh, he's a trusting soul. So yeah, that's that's the situation Flash is in, and then we. Uh, we we return to see Ming and uh, Clytus. They're 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 doing some chatting, right, Eric? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, we 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 mentioned this at the top of the minute. Aura's going to be sent to Phrygia. Um, and you know <laughs> when 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 Ming, when Ming tells this, so you know Clytus says, you know, you know, are we going to execute her? And there is definitely a tinge of sadness in Clytus's voice when he asks that of Ming because that's not what Clytus wants. 
he's happy to torture her. He's happy to catch her the act, but he wants Aura for himself. He does not want her dead, and he's definitely asking Mingus of like, so we're not gonna kill her, are we? <laughs> yeah, and uh, he, he's obviously had designs on her for a long while. Everyone knows she ha- he has. Um, and man, there have been uh, plenty of uh, gentlemen callers that have visited Aura's Bourdois. And Clyde uh, said uh, just apparently was never making the cut. So this is... Uh, this is an exciting moment for him because, uh, well, well what, what is what is the full punishment for, for Aura? She's going to spend a year in Phrygia, and then when she comes back, Ming says, you know, who knows, maybe, you know, we'll betroth her to someone, you know, worthy of her icy heart. And Clyde is just like, your majesty. <laughs> He's as giddy as I imagine oh, yeah. Clytus gets. He's like, I'm marrying Aura in a year, baby. If it's a place called Phrygia... I just gotta imagine there's a, like a real chance of frostbite. Ours gonna be coming back missing a couple of toes, maybe a finger, and possibly her nose. I'm thinking of Rurapenthe from the Star Trek universe, the Klingon uh, prison moon. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's gonna be bad. Uh, that's a good call out, or possibly the uh, you know, the, the frigid ice world from uh, Snowpiercer. Oh, crap. Nobody else has seen Snowpiercer. Oh, no, no. I know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm just sitting here in my own world thinking like, oh, refrigerator. Phrygia. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We we were talking about this in, uh, I don't know what week it was, but yeah, how like, you know, Arborea is the tree planet. You know, Phrygia is the cold planet. It's like, oh, come on. (laughs) Hey, can we we talk about the planets for a second? Go ahead. Sure. Planets. Oh yeah, this has come up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, has it? Okay. No, but go ahead. Oh, but it's worth. We 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 love talking. Please go ahead. Please, please, yeah. This always just. This is the one thing that when I was okay, this came out when I was nine, and when I watched, and I didn't suffer bad movies when I was nine. When I was nine, if a movie was bad, I called it bad and I stopped watching. The planets in this movie were the thing that just made me cringe about this movie. (laughs) <laughs> the fact that they were like, we're going to a different planet. And then the scene that you see is them going to a floating thing in some clouds. <laughs> and I'm just realizing as I'm watching it this time, they never legitimately show space, do they? Do they? All space is just clouds. Well, I mean, also at one point, Aura refers to them as moons even. So, I mean, even in... Right, right. You know, there's, there's no consistency there to begin with. Well, and then, okay, just to use Arborea... Oh, oh, or Phrygia. Whenever they're going towards them, they're always groups of stuff floating. They're always just groups of land floating in clouds. Yeah, it doesn't make a damn bit of sense. It was obviously something where the scriptwriter and the set designer did not talk to each other because the planets do not look like planets. The ships that they use to go from planet to planet aren't don't really look like something that could handle that could handle interstellar. Uh, Travel. Well, I mean, we're gonna, we're, you know, we've already seen last week Dale and Zarkov on a on a a little rocket cycle, and they're flying fr- supposedly from one planet to another planet. Yeah, it's open air. For I, God's I mean, sake. they're on a, they're on essentially an air motorcycle flying and flying between planets. Right, and and by the way, Earth is still Earth. It's still round and planety. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's not one round planet in Mongo. Right. 
Well, you know what? Maybe maybe uh, uh, Euclidean geometry does not apply, and uh, once you enter through that wormhole, you know. Or they're just this movie is just throwing it out there to really <laughs> appease the flat earthers. Like, oh, that's what planets look like. <laughs> so Clytus, he's he's just tickled, and I think one thing I got to call out, and loving the Howard Blake music, and he has one of the most music cueiest music cues ever. He has the dun 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 yep. music at the end of this minute. Yep. When Mink says for Clytus to bring in Flash and Baron, yep. Isn't that the best? That's great. When we, we used to have bad movie nights on Sunday night, and we collected, we just, with a handheld tape recorder, made a big collection of all of these kind of cues. You know, it's like, dun, 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 and dun, dun, dun. And then Star Trek had the best one, which was just over the top. It was like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and I can't remember the last time I heard that sort of music cue. It, it's... It, because it's jarring to hear it. I was like, oh my gosh, that, that's really great and on the nose. <laughs> and you can't have anything else for Flash Gordon. Anything else, anything too um, subtle does. This is not a subtle movie. Th- you know, this is a big, loud, bright colors, bright sound film. And, uh, you know, Blank just n- nailed it on the head. And uh, it's fantastic. And it's. And it's so awesome that it happened at the end of the minute. It's like, oh, it's it's like they were doing this movie just for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that sort of wraps up the minute. There's, you know, Flash believes there's hope. Aura's going to Phrygia, but then she's going to ma- marry Clytus. So, you know, her next two years are going to suck. <laughs> and a great music. And, you know, Clytus is tickled. and But all, oh, but one thing, Ming is planning his wedding. And... Has it been addressed that he's planning on marrying Dale yet? I know he was he was planning on betting her, but I, I was trying to remember if there had been plans for matrimony, or is this the first time that has been mentioned? Uh, isn't this the first time he says after my wedding? Well, yeah, I mean, Aura mentioned in the previous minute to Baron something about when my father's done with her, um, right? But that's obviously. <laughs> that ain't the same thing as being married to somebody. <laughs> well, and then also we know from the power of being able to look ahead that wedding means something very different to Ming. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I think this is the first time that we're getting that it's actually going to be a marriage as opposed to just a concubine situation. But but so what I'm saying by saying that is that she could say after Ming is done with her and he could say... I'm going to marry her, and those both could mean the same thing. Oh yeah, that's oh, true. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. They don't. They don't. They don't apply our crazy human morals to the way they live their life on Mingo City. <laughs> this is definitely not going to be a wedding where they replace the word "obey" with "cherish." <laughs> <laughs> hey, have you guys talked about the whole Darth Vader thing yet? With uh, uh, General, what's his face? Clytus. Oh, yeah. Clytus. Yeah. I hate that I haven't that I haven't uh, been able to catch all the way up to thirty nine yet. Well, what's your take on it? Oh, I'm wondering. I, I I wish I knew when this movie was in pre-production compared to when Star Wars came out so I could see if that was a coincidence or not. Is that something you already have researched? Um, I'd have to look at the notes because I don't remember off the top of my head. You guys did talk about it, though. Um, I, not That specific point, I don't know that we've talked about, Brad. Have we? That's um, No, I don't think so. I mean, I mean we you know, definitely have pointed out that there are... 
you know, certain parallels. And plus the fact that Clytus was one of the few characters that was original for the movie. Um, Aura, Dale, Flash, Sarkov, and even a lot of the minor characters um, spread throughout are, are from the comic strip. And then there's Clytus. It's funny where he's definitely fills the same role in a lot of ways as Vader, um, but he's also very, very different than Vader. Um, even the look. And we've discussed before how the look is so Doctor Doom. Really? Yeah, um, just sort of the, you know, the metal eyebrows is the thing that just would strike me as like, wow, that's that's Victor Von Doom right there. And I don't, it, but this was an era where they weren't really pulling that much influence from comic books. Because, um, you know, it's, it's already genre, it's already science fiction. It's like, uh, I would imagine that uh, they would try to avoid adding onto that the second level of Kiki by, you know, it's like, hey, look at these Marvel comics and take ideas from there. It's like that that wasn't happening then, but uh, I do from the, the uh, from the outfit. I do get a little bit of a Doctor Doom feel from the mask. Okay, he's so got just, a cape. He's got the mask. Yeah, totally. Just quickly looking back at some of the notes. So the movie was filmed in '79 um, with uh, Mike Hodges, but the original director was Nicholas Rogue, and he had spent a year in pre-production. So if you figure Hodges took over sometime in '79. Rogue would have probably started at some point in 78 on pre-production, so it would have been after Star Wars came out. I wonder if that's when he was added then. Like, oh, we could have a henchman for Ming. Yeah, it's it's possible, and also and I've talked about this before um, on other shows, where the Darth Vader that we all think of, very different than he was in the Star Wars. He became more of a you know, real intimidating presence in Empire Strikes Back. It, really, when I think of, like, the real stereotypical Darth Vader, I think of Empire Strikes Back, where he just kept, you know, choking out all of his, uh, everybody who was disappointing him. And it was just a great scene where he was really striking fear into everyone. And in the first Star Wars, he had a great look and a great entrance, but uh, he was almost sort of treated like, this sort of antiquated, uh, you know, almost voodoo guy, the way they would talk to him. It's like, oh, you and your silly force stuff. And was really subordinate. And I know I've heard talk that George Lucas wasn't sure that Vader was going to click with people. And there were even notes that had been released where he was like, ah, this isn't really working. Nobody's going to like this. And, like, Lucas was surprised how popular he became. And you can sort of see in the second film where they made him all the more impressive and intimidating and then gave him that great fight with uh, with, with Luke at the end. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's obvious afterwards, but at the time of the motion picture's release, it was really, he really stole the show from uh, from Tarkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you forget Tarkin. Oh, I don't forget Tarkin. <laughs> okay, well, okay. Eric doesn't forget Tarkin. Aaron remembers everybody from this movie. Every little thing about Star Wars. Uh, be, before you guys, it, it kind of feels like you're wrapping up here. No, I just no, want. I, I got, I got more. I got. Oh, more. that's awesome! That's awesome. Clytus's makeup. Did it seem lighter black sometimes, and and so dark at other times that you didn't even know he had a face? Yeah, it. I I, I feel like that's a, that's a, a function of the angle of the camera filming him. And the lighting. And the and the lighting. You know, I have a sense they probably did have him in the same type of, 
you know, eye black or whatever, or no eye black, uh, the entire time. And it just depends on how they were shooting it because they, this movie uses a lot of, you know, different low angles and high angles. And, and, and I think it's just a function of the, the lighting and the camera. Angle. Have you guys talked about the, the, the low angles that they shoot at in this movie? Yeah, we have. Is that just a function of the director not really realizing that he's shooting up everyone's nose? <laughs> I, I, I think he's using it at times when he thinks it's adding to the dramatic effect of the scene. You know, it's, he's, he's got a, there's a couple of Ming I know that, that I remember specifically discussing. Is there not a slightest? I'm not sure. I def, there's a couple of Ming I definitely remember us discussing. Boy, it happens, it happens a lot. It, it, especially with Ming, but yeah, he, he likes making, get, making Ming look taller and bigger. And, you know, I, I don't know, gosh, how... Uh, Max von Sydow, amazing actor with a big presence, but he may not be... Pro- Oh gosh, he's six foot four. Oh yeah, he's tall. Oh yeah, I mean, he's even, huge. Uh, Big see, guy. Even uh, in uh, Force Awakens, when you know now that he's old and probably is you know shrunk an inch or two, he's he's very tall in that scene. You look at him in Strange Brew; it becomes very obvious how tall he is. Yeah, that's what's great. This is the second time we talked about Strange Brew. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> well, how can you talk about Max von Sydow and not talk Strange Brew? <laughs> and 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 incredibly enough, we have never mentioned. Uh, um, Seven Seal, which is, is probably like most famous work, but Strange Brew has come up twice. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're not professional. <laughs> I think that's a function of our age and your guest choices. There's some of that. Um, yeah, it is Seven Seal, uh, probably best known. It, even people who haven't watched it, there's an iconic scene where there's you know the the knight playing chess with death or the grim reaper to you know get his life back. There's Sida was you know, famously in that movie. Uh, to our listeners, probably better known for the scene was parodied very f- well in uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yes, it was <laughs> where they you know challenged him to you know, they challenged death to like a game of Twister and Battleship, <laughs> like checkers or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> everything. Yeah. Hey, uh, how old were you guys when this movie came out? Uh, I was five. Wow. So, so when's the first time? Like Brad, when's the first time you got to see it? This, I the first time I got to see it was um, when I was probably eight or nine. We got cable, and they ran the hell out of this on HBO. Oh yeah. All right, kids, sit down, and Grandpa Brad will tell you how it used to be. <laughs> It, what's interesting is I basically watched it out of order because uh, there was no on-demand, there was no DVR, so you, you, you would just flip through the channels and, oh my God, there it is. And I would never see it from the beginning because the way you would... And I remember the way we would... What we would do is we would get TV... What you would finally have to do is you would get TV Guide and you would just go through the TV Guide and start, like, highlighting or circling stuff that you wanted to see and you had to, like, make plans to... We didn't even have a VCR at this point. Um, so you have to actually have to, like, make plans. Like, I need to be at the house at 5, you know, 55 so I can get settled and watch this movie. And then you... The house only had one, maybe two TVs... Uh, and I only think one of them had cable. So, you know, it's like, all right. And then I got to hope that mom and dad want to watch what I want to watch. So it would just be a thing of some, you know, Saturday afternoon flipping through. It was like, there it is. And it was so, uh, I think the first time I saw it was, uh, spoiler alert, was when uh, 
we got to see Clytus die. And I was like, oh my God, what am I watching? And, uh, you know, it, it, it was, took, ye- it probably took two, th- two years before I was finally able to watch it all the way through start to finish. And, but I loved it even before then because it has such, and it's sort of been called out before because this movie is a very honest take on comic strips. They do, this movie actually breaks up very well where they have great sort of almost mini movies inside the movie. So, yeah. um, it was really fun watching it like that because you could see, watch five minutes and it was like, oh my, and it would actually be a story that tied together very well in that short scene. And, um, and that's what we're in the middle of right now where everything that happens on Aboria is all going to come up to a head very soon with a really satisfying ending to it. And, uh, so yeah, that, that, that's what, that's how I saw it the first time. Uh, Eric. Uh, I I saw it in the theater. I, it's one of my earliest memories of my entire life is seeing this movie in the movie theater at five years old. My my experience was just on HBO making the appointment. We got the uh, we got the HBO book every month, and you'd you'd make the appointment to see the movie that you were going to see. Yes, yeah, it's pretty similar to me. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> oh, but you know, my very first time, I started watching from the guy sticks his hand. Oh, I started watching from the. The, the part where they're sticking their arms in the trunk five times to the end. That was the first my, my first viewing. About 1981, 82, something like that on HBO. That's a good place to pick up this movie. If you're not going to watch it straight through, that's not a bad place to start. Totally confused about what Ming was. Never knew what... Did you, did you guys know what Flash Gordon was before you saw the movie the first time? I, I No, I didn't. I, I feel like... I had heard there, there was a little bit of a there was enough cultural osmosis going on where Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers, they would be referenced a lot. Whenever there was a movie where somebody would like you know write stuff or something like that, they, they would be like, "Oh, we're, we're just regular Flash Gordons" or something like that. But I don't, I, I didn't go beyond that. For me, Flash Gordon was a very boring, serious comic strip in the daily paper, like. All those action adventure ones that only had four panels never got Prince, invested like in those. Prince Valiant, that's Prince the one Valiant, I remember. Flash Gordon, yeah. Spider Man. Yeah, the one I remember from my childhood was Prince Valiant, and I, I, I remember my dad and I was always be like, "Who reads this? Who reads Prince right? Valiant?" Yeah, those. Um, it'd be tough because I love comics when I was growing oh, up, me and too. I would read. But I never oh, so read Prince I. Valiant. <laughs> yep, Prince Valiant, Buck Rogers didn't touch him. Uh, I would read Garfield and. Uh, I never got into Peanuts, but there were some other funny ones that I would read, and then I, I remember I was a huge Spider-Man fan, and then I would try to read the Spider-Man comic, and it was like, this is, it, there's just no momentum to this. Right. Oh, wasn't there like a Dr. Rex? Do I have that right? Rex Morgan. Rex Morgan. Oh, my God. Ugh. They must have got those things for like 50 cents. <laughs> <laughs> they just needed to fill up the comics page. No offense if the Rex Morgan uh, writer and inker is. <laughs> That'd be really awkward. <laughs> that would be. That would be someone who's not listening to the Clue Minute. <laughs> <laughs> you just lost a listener. A <laughs> uh, few other little tidbits here. I just wanted to point out. Um, we've we've got we've got a lot of Ming finger wriggling throughout this uh, movie, and and this one. We instead get hand rubbing when he implies Clytus will get to marry Aura 
and tells Clytus to get him Flash and Baron. He's rubbing his hands instead of doing the finger uh, wiggle. So uh, Ooh, a little different use of the hands there. Rubbing. Yeah. Uh, and then... Um, oh, it's real suggestive. The, <laughs> the hand stuff is... Yeah, I mean, hand rubbing, I mean, that's, you know... It's like, it was Brad, we were talking about earlier in this episode about, you know, this movie is not subtle, you know. Really, it's surprising he just didn't make a circle with one hand and poke his finger, <laughs> his finger through with you. <laughs> and then you were married. Oink, 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 oink. <laughs> and we've reached our low. I'm, I'm standing I'm standing and applauding right now. <laughs> All right. Uh, my only other note is I think this isn't it's not lazy script writing uh, so I can't add it to that ongoing list but we've got some lazy props here. Ming congratulates Clytus on the confession. I watched this minute several times that specific few seconds over and over to be sure before I said this but I don't see any actual writing on that confession. No, no. I, I did the same thing. Ah, yeah, it looks like a just Blank. like a fabric covered board. But also it's really long. I mean, it's a it's a big you know scroll. So, if we're playing along with the movie, then presumably there would there is writing on there that they just didn't think would read. No, let me say that differently. They would they filmed it thinking, oh, it it won't read anyway, so it won't matter if there's writing on it. So it doesn't matter if there's writing on it. But see, so they filmed it. The reason I don't buy that is because in the Zarkov mind wipe. Um, they in the newspaper that they show with has the big headline of you know, and uh, I almost said NCAA, NASA scientists you know kicked out. There actually is text in there, right. and that's on that's on screen for like you know a split second. So, but but you can pause you know, it and read it. But also they weren't expecting us to pause and read things when this well, came out. Well, right, yeah. But you know it's just you know they took the time to make that prop, but not. Well, and they also put it prominently on the screen. It takes up. 20% of the screen when he yeah. holds it up. I just wonder if this was something that was sort of improvised where they said, oh, uh, good job with the confession, and then Seidel's like, yeah, yeah, um, shouldn't we have, like, a confession here? No, no, they don't say they don't say good job with the confession. They go, nice confession. <laughs> it always reminds me of, it, it reminds me of the uh, naked gun scene where she likes the, where he likes the, uh, the beaver. <laughs> or... I just had it stuffed. <laughs> what do you think would have been in the confession had we been able to read it what confession would have taken up that entire scroll i mean it what was she what was she meant to confess to she had you know she that the doctor helped her revive flash brought him to arborea i think right. she, i think she, i think she told everything that she did i think she gave it all up oh borer worms yeah. Yeah, they'll do it. They'll yeah. do it. So do you think off screen they gave her the boar worms or do you think she was like, okay. No, I think they gave Get her out the, piece they gave of paper. the boar worms. Yeah. Uh actually, uh it's funny you guys bring this up. I actually found the confession. Really? Uh, I actually had the script here. Yeah, yeah. Um let me see. Okay, sorry. In third grade I cheated on my history exam. <laughs> in the fourth grade I stole my uncle's toupee and I glued it onto my face when I was Moses in the Hebrew school play. <laughs> Uh, and the worst thing I ever done, a mix of pasta. Yeah, okay, that's just for Goonies. If anyway. you if you ever get the chance, read Chunk's confession in the novelization of that movie. It's insane. Really? Yeah. Because <laughs> they go through it. They do it. They just go for it. It goes on. 
I will have to check that out. That's and it, great. And it's such a good novelization, too. It's told first person from Mikey's point of view. Hmm. But then they switch oh, wow. over to Chung's point of view for that part of it. It's insane. That's the best part of that movie. That is a, that is a classic. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Uh, obviously, I do not actually have the confession. Because of you guys and because of your show, I've gone from sort of hate watching Flash Gordon and watching it with friends to laugh at it to really thinking about it and kind of enjoying it as a movie, as cinema. That's like the nicest thing anyone said to us. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. I, I, yes. You, you know, I'm having this experience right now with Indiana Jones where Last Crusade is starting to come up short for me because of the minute-by-minute minute anal- analysis. This movie oh. is, getting, is getting better for me. I cannot think of higher praise for a minute-by-minute minute podcast host. Well, you know, we we love this movie. We we completely understand the ridiculousness of it, um, but but we like the fact that it leans into it, and it's a movie that you don't see very much anymore. It, the most you see is movies with a little bit of flavoring of Flash Gordon, but Flash Gordon really leans leans into the campiness and the ridiculousness and just the fun. Um, and and we don't hate watch it. We 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 love watch it. We love watch this movie. Absolutely. <laughs> And now I'm going to, too. Thank you, guys. Uh, well, thank, thank you. you. This has been a great week. Um, Chris, we ask one more time. Please share where people can find out more about the upcoming Clue Minute. Uh, when is it? Do you have an idea when you're hoping to drop your first episode? It is going to be uh, in the winter. That's as close as I can get right now. I'm scheduling guests. I'm getting my notes taken. You, got, you know all the pre-production stuff that goes on. Oh, we know. We know. We uh we we took a couple we had a couple months of our our planning uh, because we knew as soon as we dove in it was going to be uh it was going to be a thing, um so uh yeah and where can people uh, what, what's the name of your website again? It is the clueminute dot com. Oh, I'm sorry, it's just clueminute dot com. You know, actually, I need to check on that. It is clueminute dot com. There we go. Hey, look at it this way. It could be worse. We could be back in the days when everybody used to say HTTP dot dot slash slash ClueMinute dot com. www. Oh, right. Because if you didn't put that in, it wouldn't work. That's right. That's right. 2003 internet. (laughs) Yeah, everyone should check that out. It's a a great movie uh, with a, a fantastic who's who of wonderful actors that never got to star in a movie. And they all got to star in this movie together. So you have... Martin Mall, uh, obviously Tim Curry, who's amazing. Amazing. Um, it's just uh, uh, some great little cameos, and you're gonna have a lot of fun talking about that. So uh, yeah, yeah, definitely recommend everyone check that out. When it, you know, it's gonna be winter time. You're gonna need to stay in, uh, light the fireplace, snuggle up with your loved one, and listen to Clue Minute. A great whodunit. All right, Eric, uh, where can people find out more about our little uh, slice of Internet heaven? Our slice is on Facebook and the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Search for us there. We've got another slice in Twitter, Flash Gordon Pod, and a third slice on good old email, flashgordonminute at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, we ask everyone to give us their rating and review on iTunes. It uh, helps give us extra visibility. And, uh, Eric, as we always like to do at the end of the week, we got to first call out a big thank you to the good folks at uh, Star Wars Minute. Uh, it's the granddaddy of them all. None of us would be doing this if it wasn't for them. They set uh, a wonderful path that everyone's followed, so a uh, big thanks to them. Yeah, and uh, as we record this, they just 
completed uh, Revenge of the Sith, so they have finished the George Lucas era. Everyone's looking forward to them starting the Disney era with their next season. Uh, and uh, just, you know, the whole reason that I'm into movies by minute because of those guys. They do a great job, and uh, we really appreciate the fact that they've been so generous uh, with everyone ripping them off, basically. <laughs> Uh, and Eric, of course, I got to thank you. Uh, this was your uh, brainchild, and uh, I'm having a great time. And it's been so fun talking with you every week uh, with these amazing guests. And uh, thank you for making this all possible. Well, uh, you are the one making it possible with your new microphones and the Flash Grow in a Minute studios being stored inside your own home. This is, uh, I thank you, sir. Hey, before you, uh, before you go this week, I wanted to do one little shout out thing too. Or, or I guess it's more about just bringing it up conversationally. Are you guys going to go to? Are you guys going to be at Denver this year? No, uh, I would sort of love to. When, when is when is the minute by minute in Denver? It's August something. I would love to. And friends of the show, um, Katie and Ryan. Uh, Ryan was my co-host on uh, Minute of Darkness. They live like ten minutes away from where it's being held. Uh, I would sort of love to just crash on their couch, um, but. Uh, we, it's probably not going to be able to happen, but uh, one of these years I want to do that because uh, I, I know last year apparently was a great time, and as they get better and better at it, uh, so I would love to. Are, are you planning to go, Curtis? Oh yeah, I went to I went to Chicago. That was amazing. I can't wait to go to Denver this year. I'm doing a whole road trip. I'm going to stay at the Indiana Jones uh, bed and breakfast. We're going to the uh, uh, Shining Hotel, and then we're ending up at at the convention. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, one of these days, I have too many kids, and I know uh, Eric, you also have the, the little one, so it, it gets it's sometimes hard to justify these trips. Yeah, but yeah. I would love to. I, I would love for them to to one of these years, hopefully, for them to do it within driving distance of uh, New York City, so that I could just go and not have to worry about hotels and leaving the kids alone with my wife and airfare and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but if people are interested in that, uh, because there's going to be a lot of great shows uh, being represented, it's uh, go to minutes, moviesbyminutes.com forward slash Denver to, to find out more about it. It's going to be August 18th at the Bug Theater in Denver, Colorado. So that'll be a great time. So it'll be uh, very worthwhile to go and check it out. Meet all of your podcast heroes. Yes, yes. All the podcast groupies will be uh, just throwing undergarments at the, <laughs> at the guys as they walk in. Ew. No. <laughs> All right. So uh, it's been another great week. Uh, and I'm really excited for next week. It's, uh, we're just getting to just a great meat of this movie. Um but it's but 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 it's not all it's, it's not all great stuff, Eric. It's it, there's there there are concerns. What do you mean it's not all great stuff? What are you talking about? This is crazy. Because we've talked a little bit about Clue all this week. I love the movie Clue, but whenever I talk about Clue, the one thing I think about is the wonderful Jane Weedlin. Uh, has a cameo as a singing Telegram girl. And uh, the way my mind works, everybody who listens to the show now knows you can't mention somebody who is part of a music career without my brain automatically going to just running through all the songs that the go goes in my head at the exact same moment. Ah, well, I personally, uh, I can't quite relate because I am a, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, flash court a minute exclusive here. I am going to admit to being an enormous Belinda Carlisle fan, but not the Go-Go's. I like her solo work personally. So 
if vacation or uh, your lips are sealed or head over heels or whatever those go-go songs are running through your head, they're driving you crazy, they're boring through your ears like an earworm, don't worry, Brad. Flash will save every one of us. Thanks for joining us, listeners. Coming up next week, screenwriter, comic artist, and co-host of the Cabin Minutecast, Molly Balin, joins us as Dale Arden and Hans Zarkoff are flown to the Hawkman's Bacchanal. Incredible adventures await you here on Flash Gordon Minute. Yeah.